Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode of The Bullpen Cart. Maddie D and I had a great time talking about this week in baseball, a little NBA draft preview, NHL expansion draft preview, and a wrap-up of the U.S. Open. As always, please go like us and subscribe on all those various forms of social media and on iTunes. Give us a little review and uh, give us any suggestions that you have as well for Stadium Snacks, Bleacher Creatures, Beer Corner, and anything else you see in the world of baseball. But now, enjoy the show. Thanks again. Welcome to this week's episode of The Bullpen Cart, the Thunderblogs podcast, focusing mainly on baseball, but other sports too. And we're actually going to start with a little reality TV talk. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. With me, as always, or usually at this point, is Maddie D. Maddie, how are you? Doing fantastic. Well, let everyone know I'm on Team Team Dean. Okay, yeah. Team Dean is the key. Yeah. So we uh, we're recording this a little later on a Monday night than we normally do. We uh, decided to do this in person, which is why we both sound so crystal clear. But we got swept up in the uh, the Bachelorette, which we were hoping our girlfriends would just watch. I actually watch it with my girlfriend usually, but uh, yeah. or, uh, later in the week I usually record podcast Mondays. But Matt, Matt had never watched the show before, and it's funny. He uh, he starts off all negative about the show. Oh, they're all drunk. Oh, it's so much drama. And within five minutes, was hooked. Well, I mean, hooked is a strong word. I would say that I am hooked on Dean. I'm a big fan, and um, you know, I had, a, I had a pretty fantastic time. You know, enjoying the spectacle tonight. I would love to get drunk all the time with my butts, you know, and cause some drama in the house. That was how Lee, Lee and I, Lee was on fire tonight. Yeah, Lee, uh, Lee, uh, man, I'm not sure how well you are versed within a uh, batch nation, but he, uh, he's gotten into some heat. He's found out that some of his tweets are uh, a little racist, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how he uh, goes throughout the rest well, of the season. Well, I gotta let you know, as long as Dean's involved, I will be going ahead and trying to keep up with the show. Uh, and I gotta see what's gonna happen next week because there's a little blood next week on the Bachelorette. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so that's our our talking Bachelorette. But um, <laughs> let's get right into right into what we're we're all here for the baseball talk. This week was a uh, pretty interesting, a lot of interesting storylines. We um, full disclosure, the internet here is a little slow, so we don't have the full access to the internets. It's going to be a little more free-flowing than our usual, but for those listening that have, are new to the show, you might not notice a difference. For those long-term listeners, thank you for one, but uh, you might notice a little bit of a difference. Give us some feedback, like us on Facebook, all that, that social media jargon. But let's start with the hot teams. we got some new first-place teams. The Boston Red Sox are up there. The Houston Astros are really taking a longer lead than they had before. I mean, Matt, what have you been your thoughts from this past week? Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, it's great to see the Red Sox and the Yankees kind of battling it out for first. It's something that we grew up seeing. So it's uh, it's very nice to go ahead and, uh, and see the Red Sox kind of climbing back in. They have a great team. I mean, obviously, their their superstar ace Chris Sale couldn't compete with Nick uh, Pavetta over the Phils, who uh, pitched was it eight eight seven or eight strong innings. Yeah, correct. Yeah, they both pitched eight innings strong. I um, I think near did near section or Neshek get the win. In that yeah, game, close. yeah, um, but yeah, Sale pitched. We'll get to this, but he pitched eight innings, let up an interesting uh, eighth inning run. Phils prevailed uh, to avoid the four-game sweep in the 
quote-unquote natural rivals series. Yeah, the, the Sox done well. They went down to Houston, had an interesting series down there, um, Sunday night baseball game. I mean, other teams, we're seeing the Diamondbacks play, continue to play outstanding baseball. Um I've seen the Rockies play really well. Nolan Arenado had an awesome day, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I mean, it's been cool to, to see to see everything kind of play out. You hit the nail right on the head. It, you know, it's more fun seeing the American League East once the Yankees and the Red Sox on top, and they're both tied right now. Uh, we we have an interesting Red Sox bleacher creature, but we'll get to that. I don't. But um, I mean, I, I think another team. Uh, no, I mean we obviously did a lot of discussions earlier on. You know, our, uh, you know, we were for like preseason, and we, we thought the Cleveland Indians would be running away with, with the division, but the Twins have put up quite the fight. And, uh, yeah. The Indians have actually taken back over the division lead, which is kind of what you would have thought. Um, the big surprise, I would say, out of that division is Detroit, who's five games out right now. They're actually playing okay baseball, despite being four games under five hundred. Uh, but, I mean, it, Cleveland's starting to find that level, as I've, as I've said to Matt numerous times. Uh, water always finds its level, like when Matt was chipping really well when we played okay, golf the other day. I didn't chip poorly. I just didn't. I just didn't hit everything else on my game. Kind of fell apart in the back. Yeah, Matt. You know, Matt, you're up six strokes at the, uh, the turn, and I won by six strokes. Okay, that's that's a lot. Uh, and it started down the point, right? As I was hitting every time, it was very rough for me. And also, the one green had water in the cup. So I'm not sure how I can be penalized for water in the cup. But. Yeah, you were penalized because you put the water. The ball in the water, the pond to the left of the green twice while I parred the hole. Anyway, back to baseball. So we got some hot players. We mentioned Nolan Arenado. For those that didn't see this, yesterday, Sunday afternoon, Arenado comes up to the plate in the bottom of the ninth inning, down six to five runners at the corners, and Arenado's hit a single, double, triple, hits a walk-off home run. The Rockies win by two runs, completes a cycle. Not too many of them have happened. Of course, I was at the Red Sox Phillies game on Wednesday when Mookie Betts went for it. Uh, for those, or rather, the one viewer that watched me and uh, our good friend Jared Barnes on Facebook Live, <laughs> we uh, we tried to Facebook Live it, and actually, <laughs> he, uh, Mookie Betts hits a second home run for the day, and myself, after a few cocktails, starts going, oh no, oh no, he didn't get the triple, and realized after a few seconds that uh, he, he hit his second home run of the night. Five for four with two homers, a double, and a single is not a terrible night, as you might imagine. Well, it's not a terrible night, but I think every baseball player dreams of hitting, you know, hitting for the cycle. Um, yeah. You know, if you're the Phillies, you dream of a hit in general, but in, in most, most teams' cases, uh, hitting for the cycle is obviously one of the. Yeah. You know, I think more players would rather do that than hit, hit two home runs. I think that's what they would prefer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, other things we saw this week, we, we got two Kershaw starts, one out in Cleveland. And that Cleveland Dodgers series, pretty highly touted. Dodgers are really starting to come around. And uh, Yasiel Puig, late in the game, uh, had an interesting run-in with the fans. Nat, do you uh, want to tell the viewers what happened? Well, he decided to go ahead and let some fans know how he felt. And so he used uh, two specific fingers to go ahead and do that, which is uh, yeah, probably not his best look. Uh, we've talked pretty extensively about Puig before. I'd love to see him in a Phillies uniform simply because I think he's got a lot of raw talent, but you can't have that kind of action. You know, I mean, I think it's hard because you want guys to be emotional in baseball, but that's a little too far. So, yeah, both were, both of the team mascots describe people, but uh, 
There were a couple birds there, if you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah, so I mean, but Kershaw actually went back onto the mound on Sunday, and the notable baseball hawk, uh, who infamously snuck into the game at Fort Bragg last year, was, was at the game, and asked Kershaw for a ball, and Kershaw goes, nah, yeah, you have enough. This guy, if you don't know, he... He goes to baseball games purposefully to try to catch foul balls, home run balls. He infamously caught A-Rod's 3,000th hit and basically tried to shake him down for some type of prize before deciding to just donate money to charity. He claims every ball he catches, he donates money to charity, which, I mean, he's 40 years old and he, he's doing this, just donate money, money to charity. Uh, it's a pretty funny, pretty funny moment and a nice little... Uh, little moment for the Kirsch man himself. But other things that we had this week, a Roldis Chapman back off the DL, which, I mean, we've talked about the Yankees for how long in this season. Now, of course, as of 11 o'clock on Monday the 19th, they're tied with the Red Sox for first place. And they haven't had Chapman for about six weeks. And with that guy back in the back end of your bullpen, it's pretty incredible. I mean, that's a, that's a great addition uh, you know, for the Yankees there as they kind of keep pushing ahead with the division. I mean, they're, they're going to need some help because I think they're still not as talented as the Red Sox. But, um, and, you know, it's good, it's good to see Chapman back. I mean, he was so fantastic last year for the Cubs. I mean, Kenny, they seem the kind of guy that can push the Yankees, you know, ahead of the division, I think, is important. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and, I mean, the guy throws absolute gas. He... Did so well. I mean, he kind of slipped up towards the end, but he's still such a dominant pitcher. I mean, it's crazy the Yankees were able to get him back. But, I mean, with those bats, the end of that bullpen, the starting pitching just purring like the well-fine engine that it is. Uh, I think uh, good old Greggy P was uh, proving his profit status there. Other things that we got, speaking of uh, Mr. Piatelli, his beloved Red Sox, Lose the laser show once again. Dustin Pedroia uh, went to the hospital last night after getting hit by a pitch in Houston. Yeah, not not too fun. I don't have an updated uh, report for him. So if you do, by the time you listen to this on Tuesday, uh, it might be a little better for him. Uh, Kenyon Broxton hit an absolute bomb the other day, uh, about 496 feet there. Kind of going back into it, Roger Clemens' son was drafted by the Blue Jays, a team that he played for for a long time in between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, but yeah, baseball's been it's been an interesting week. Um, I mean, we talked about some hot teams, talked about some cold some cold teams. We'll get to the Phillies in a second, but um, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been great. The big story that I was a big fan of was Jamison Tallion. Urtalion, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, and I apologize to him, but all props to him. He came back from testicular cancer, had been out for six weeks, and threw five shutout innings. Pretty highly touted prospect, so congratulations to him. I'm glad he's back and uh, doing well, of course, but uh, it's it's great to see him doing well there. I mean, I agree. He's got some great kind of got some big balls going out. You know, Jesus, you can't make that kind of joke. Oh, God. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, so, we mentioned both of the Phillies games. We'll get to that and kind of links into our stadium snacks, the fan favorite section. But let's start with the Phillies talk. 
They had their quote unquote natural rival series with the Red Sox this last pat this past week, excuse me. Up in Fenway, lose two games in extra innings, somehow get to extra innings in Fenway. Then lose Wednesday night when I'm there uh, by a hefty 7-3 margin. Then actually win one nothing on Thursday. Uh, then unfortunately get swept by the Diamondbacks. <laughs> I was there Wednesday. Matt, you were there Thursday. Saturday. Saturday. Oh, you were there Saturday. 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 Yeah, so we'll start with, uh, with my experiences since chronological order. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. Nice to be back at the ballpark. Hadn't been since uh, we went back in April, but tough game to go to. I um, And I've noticed this a lot with the pitching staff. I saw Hellickson on the mound, and I actually shot this over to my dad, and he kind of agreed as well. A lot of the pitchers, Matt, I think just feel all of this tremendous pressure to pitch incredibly well. You know, they're so young, they're so highly touted, they're supposed to be the marquee isn't the right word because they're not good enough to be the mar- you know relative marquee, let's say. And I think that's getting to him. Hellickson had so many 2-0, so many 3-0 counts. He was throwing this changeup that honestly looked like he was trying to bounce a curveball off the bottom, but it was just a changeup he couldn't get over the plate. And the fact that you're doing that and then you try to throw this pinpoint strike that I, I don't know what you're trying to do. You, you can't really get away with that sort of stuff. And a lot of the other pitchers are doing that as well. And I mean, you kind of just got to give yourself a break and you're not necessarily going to get the run support, but at least go out there, have a little fun, especially at this point, it's June 19th. And I, I think that's what you got to do. Right. I mean, we watched Eichhoff pitch uh, Saturday. I mean, it was like I watched him paint dry. And he's just, he seems like he's pressing really hard to uh, you know, pitch properly and, and have a great performance. And that's it's, it's hurting him because he's throwing a lot more pitches and yeah. he's getting more jams in the game. He actually pitched, he actually pitched pretty well um, in that actual game and he kind of lost. But um, yeah, that, that definitely hurt us. As the fans are trying to watch him, it looks like he's just pressing so hard to have any kind of success out there in game wise. And it just, it's, it's hard to watch the, the team play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point as well. I mean, you have these guys. We talked about, uh, you know, the, some of the pitching do well, but it's it's frustrating as a fan to see that because the bats are what they are, and they're, they're going to be, especially when you face quality pitching. But the, the pitching on your end is something you can control, and I, I just think you need to relax. You just need to go out, have some fun, and, and just play catch, you know, like they always – like the your high school catcher said to your high school pitcher, just play catch. Right. Throw out there. Right. I mean, it would be nice also, I mean, I'm walking around the ballpark Saturday, and I'm seeing all the um, the, uh, the pictures of all pick, pictures of all the players, and they've got like Nick Williams up there. Yeah. Um, and when we put the get these guys, I want the prospects up and playing. If we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna have terrible hitting, we might as well have terrible hitting with our prospects and some of the guys. Um, let me have a man. I mean, it, it's hard, and I understand there's a process involved, but I, I mean, where's J.P. Crawford? Uh, you know, we, we watched the game. We were, I was fortunate enough to be at the box, which is always fantastic to be at the box. Oh, someone's doing well. It was a little bit of a wrangle, so we spent a wrangle at the box with our, with our free beer and our free, uh, free chicken tender. 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 Free it's hard to see the same guys up and struggle. Uh, I, 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 I. So you mentioned a process, Matt. Are you, are you saying it 
Do you do you have to trust this? Do you have to trust the prospects? Well, I want to trust. I want to trust the prospects, except the prospects from the Sixers either have been injured or have been playing. Well, we're not talking about the Sixers. Well, we're only talking about the Phillies. We're only talking about the. Well, Phillies. Well, talking so about the I no, I just said you said process and I prospects. I'm doing a little wordplay. Little wordplay. The Philadelphia sports fan. All four teams is essentially trusting the trusting the process or trusting the prospect or prospects um, as we've seen. So I think it's, uh, well, which, which team is not trusting the process now, Jordy? Well, we'll we'll get to that. Okay, I'm we'll sorry. We're going to finish up baseball. Matt, you mentioned the box. Let's move right into the fan favorite section, the the stadium snacks. Matt, how were the how was the box food? You needed did you need a little uh. A little, a little, uh, little comfort food after your your terrible loss to me on Saturday. Well, that's, you know, that's, now we're getting a little personal, but the food was as expected. Always great up in those little boxes. We had, we had some cheesesteaks. We had some um, some pulled uh, some pulled pork, um, some um, roast beef sandwiches Ooh. we could make. Oh, well, we were, we were losing on the bowl. No, I don't think it was in the bowl. Oh, I can't. I couldn't try to tell. But they had a lot of peppers in there. the best part of the oh, I got to be in the EY box last year um, through uh, my lovely girlfriend's job. She works for Airmark and EY does their auditing. But mentioned the bowl, or at least I asked you about the bowl. I went to on Wednesday night, and this is my stadium snack, Bulls Barbecue. The bowl is Greg Luzinski, the famous number 19 for the Phillies. Uh, he has a barbecue pit in basically right center field. It's the center field gate uh, is right there when you walk in, and you can get anything there. I got, I actually got the roast beef sandwich. It's incredible. A little uh, jus on top of it. <laughs> uh, you get a little horseradish and some baked beans and coleslaw. Really good deal. A little beer on the side. Of course, the hot dog they sell there, the bulldog, they call it, is actually a kielbasa sausage, which is incredible. JSB got that. Uh, Jared, for those that don't know his initials. I'm sure all of you do. He goes by Jared S. Barnes. But, um, <laughs> yeah, a little, little knock at you, Jared. But nonetheless, you can also get ribs. You can get a little pulled pork sandwich. A lot of good food for uh, not terrible of a price. And the, the platter deal is probably one of the better deals at Citizens Bank Park. Go check out Bulls Barbecue the next time you go or if it's your first time there. Anything in Ashburn Alley, the center field wall, cool, or the center field walk. Very cool experience. You see all the Phillies All-Stars, the Phillies Wall of Fame. Uh, we'll probably cover some other ones. I did want to follow up. I promised that I'd look up the hot dog of the month. I think the Phillies stopped that. Maybe nobody was getting the April one. I don't know if they had one in May because I didn't go in, in May, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, they didn't have a June hot dog of the month. That was the first thing I tried to go to. Entered in the third base gate, and it's usually right there. But uh, I apologize. It, it, it was not there. That's a tough loss, I think. I really do. I, yeah. I actually did not. I, I, I did not even attempt to find the hot dog of the month. 
Like, I'll go right to the box seat, but I, I should have tried to find it. That would have been Yeah, it's a different entrance, though. I mean, you were to take an immediate right, you know, right next right. to, right next to uh, McFadden's. We're really getting inside Citizens Bank Park at this moment, so those who are not in Philadelphia have no idea. Right, but yeah, yeah, if you're not in Philadelphia, you really don't know much of anything, so it's not no big deal. Uh, you Especially might have... those Pittsburghians. God. Yeah, yes, those guys. Let's, let's not even cater to them. I'm sorry, but, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, nah, it's okay, but uh, yeah, you, you, and, you and Greg are already due for a little podcast war, and I think you're just... Fanning the fire right now. Oh, I'm not fanning the fire. I mean, oh. I mean, okay, they had a great year in one sport, but their baseball team is still trash, and it, like, I haven't seen their basketball. They're tied team. for first. I haven't seen their basketball team. We're play. last. I haven't seen their basketball team playing what seems like a century. So you know, no big deal there, Pittsburgh. City oh, you're talking about Pittsburgh. Oh, I thought you were talking about. Um, oh, I was talking about Boston. Oh, because I mentioned Greg. But yeah, Pittsburgh. We can talk about Boston. We can talk about the Mets if you want, because they're also trash. Oh. We, can, we can talk. Although Cespedes is back. Say, you I want to say, this but is I can't back, say yeah. anything poor about Boston because they've got the Patriots. They're um, also so kind. They're well, so kind. I mean, we'll they, get to why they're kind. I think there's a little Boston we'll arrogance, but I don't. I think it's deserved. I think they're allowed to be arrogant. All their teams are good. The Celtics look good. The Celtics might look better. We can talk about that in a couple minutes. But, I mean, and the Red Sox we'll get are still a good team, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Boston definitely earns what they have. It's really funny hearing guys like Bill Simmons or Greg or, or anybody talk about what it was like before Tom Brady or before the uh, the 4 Red Sox. And it's just incredible thinking about that. It's like how we talk about, you know, kids our age or kids younger than us never having to experience a bad Colts team. Right. Yeah, it's one of those things where you don't have to experience bad in anything. The Bruins are always perennial playoff teams. Of course, they uh, had a rough stretch the last two years, didn't make it last year, or two years ago, I guess, technically now, and uh, had that unfortunate playoff loss to the uh, Ottawa Senators. But, yeah, they've had a nice run. So, Greg, Matt doesn't mean to make fun of you, but uh, at the same time, let's have the, uh, the inevitable podcast war. We need a little content to fill up the summer. Nah. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, still, I, agree, I, agree, I agree. The managing editor need to uh, uh, need to figure out some stuff. But let's let's move on. We want to start with the uh, the drafts on the basketball side or the hockey side, Matty D. Well, look, I, we 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 touched on it, so I think it's only appropriate if we discuss again. Trust the process. Build the statue for Hinky now. I've I've trusted the process. Uh, I was there for those. We actually have more people tune in for that Facebook Live of me at the Sixers draft lottery party, which was awesome. I'm going to the draft party on Thursday night to watch the Sixers now make the first overall pick. Well, I think I think it's kind of a coup d'etat. I think I think you know, first of all, as a Celtics fan, I don't think you could be upset about the, the trade. Um, you know, I've heard people say that it could be uh, like a dynamo move for them. But I think the, the u- unanimous consensus is that the Sixers made a great deal regardless. And it's, it's something that they need to do. And this is why you have all these assets stored up. And you get what I think is the quintessential player to play next to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid because he can do everything. I mean, he, Marco Fultz is... I, he seems like the kind of guy that... I can dominate the ball, not dominate the ball. I mean, he very, you know what he's very like to me? 
I mean, there's a different skill set, but very Clay Thompson-like, where he's willing to take a backseat to the start, but when he's called upon, he can deliver. Yeah. And I, I, and I love that. He seems like an all-around team kind of guy, and he's the kind of guy that can take some pressure off of Simmons when he when he's handling the ball. So I'm very, very, very happy with um with the move. I think it was smart. And if you're only going to lose another draft pick, that given where it's going to end up being in the draft, I mean, why not? So I, I loved it. I thought it was Colts was kind of a pipe dream to me. I've been discussing a lot of the prospects with friends, but I'm much, much happier to see um, see this big that I think is going to really pay off. And um, I mean, I'm excited. I'm so excited for draft night just to see his name on the screen. I'm, I'm pumped up. Well, he's already best friends with the team, so I mean, that's what a great nice. Insta- what a great Instagram photo. Yeah, it's already our cover photo. Right. What a year for Washington basketball, though. <laughs> you have Markel Fultz, the most likely number one pick. You have Kelsey Plum, the women's basketball player, break the scoring record. I mean, the Huskies, they're getting the job done. I know. Well, I mean, they, you know, the negative, obviously, is that this great year they, they, they fired their men's coach. So we'll see how the program will. I would say the program can rebound because as great as I think Fultz is going to be, he was 9-22 last year in college basketball. Yeah. Not a great record for the number one overall pick. I think there was a lot of extenuating circumstances. How, how crazy is that, that two years in a row – Granted, two years in a row, the first pick goes to the Sixers. But two years in a row, the number one overall pick didn't make the NCAA tournament. I, I think it's I think it's shocking in one regard, but I also think it shows you that you know it's it's you know basketball is a team sport. So as good as one guy might be, it's very hard to transcend in basketball. And I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying here is, I mean, we watched the finals, obviously. Yeah. And we saw how great. LeBron James was. We also saw how great Kevin Durant was. And I saw yeah. both those players. I think LeBron was arguably better than Durant in the finals. But they were both, both pretty great players. Oh, yeah. But it, it wasn't LeBron or Durant that really decided the finals. It was everyone else on the team. That's not taking a shot. But I have, I'd say Kevin Durant said well, I, 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 he did a good well, job. I would agree. I would agree, except I would say that what I watched was a team that when LeBron wasn't scoring for the Cavs, they struggled to score. Yeah. When Durant wasn't scoring for the Cavs, though, for the Warriors, they were still scoring because of their offensive system and the players. That's true. That's true. And I, I was like, well, we were talking earlier, like, what is, what is LeBron have to do to compete with the Warriors? Seeing that, that core space together. Does he need Melo? Does he need Melo, or does he need somebody like a Paul George or a Chris Paul? And can he even get those kind of guys? Yeah. So I think that just shows you how hard it is to really compete you the best player in the world on your team. You have a top, let's say, let's say he's a top 10, let's not even, this is top 10, top 10 point guard in Kyrie Irving. Oh, yeah. And a whole bunch of, I'd say higher than top 10 in I point would, guard. I know. We, we, we top 10 player in the NBA, right. I'd say top 3 point guard. I mean, we, you know, yeah, we could really debate that. Because yeah. remember, now you're going to say top 3. Yeah. So who are you taking? Are you taking Harden out of that? Or are you taking Westbrook? Uh, Curry? So I've got three guys right there. Yeah, you know, top five. Yeah, Chris top Paul. Five. So there. It, the point guard position is so low. I've been down on Chris Paul the last couple of years. So I, I have say two. That. I almost think he's just kind of like yeah. that complacent with the Clippers, which is why yeah. I can see him saying, you know what? LeBron, I'm going to sign for you for a real cheap deal. Yeah. Let me get my third West Point title together. But I think that's why the problem is the point guard position is just, it's just loaded with yeah. players. It's like who, almost, almost, except for this, well, nothing against T.J. McConnell, who I love dearly. He's a dear, dear friend. Yeah. But, but 
I think like the point guard position like those teams have a point guard they think is gonna go ahead and be a great player. Yeah. I mean there's just a lot of point guards in the NBA. I think that's kind of the transition transition for the NBA. Yeah, it's very guard heavy at this right. point. And yeah. also those point guards are scorers now. Yeah. Before most point guards were Chris Paul, which I'm Rondo, and now Nash, yeah. right, and now we've got Harden and and Westbrook who are score first and Curry who yeah, are yeah. score first guards, which I think is a change. For the yeah, but I think Fultz is a. Well, so I agree. I love it. I think he fits in perfectly. Love TJ um, and what he's done with the team. How great! First of all, for those who aren't from Philadelphia and really don't get why the process has been this highly touted deal, because it sounds so counterintuitive that all these people in Philadelphia love the fact that we tanked, we got the number one pick. We had all these different things. We had Embiid finally be good. We had Sarge come over. I mean, it's not just the fact that we were the laughing stock of the league for years, because we were, and, and we all accept that. It's the fact that in that, we all came together, the, the ones that banded with the team, and really embraced it and loved the fact that, you know, it, it makes sense of what Hinky was trying to do and, and sort of realized this inefficiency in the way the NBA works. And granted, there is there is the lottery to try to de-incentivize yourself from finishing in dead last. I'm like with the NFL and the, you know, most notably suck for luck was the easy the easy one you can think about or suck for the duck for Marcus Mariota. Um, but it, this subculture emerged in the last three or four years since Hinky first took over. We, of course, sat in sad and watched the 2013 draft, Tinky's first draft, hopefully watching C.J. McCollum get drafted by the Sixers. And the Blazers took him a pick before the, the Sixers ultimately take uh, Michael Carter-Williams. But we saw 20 minutes beforehand, Hinky made this make this decision to trade Drew Holiday for the rights to Nerland's Noel, which nobody knew what was going to happen. The guy was hurt going into it. Could have been the consensus overall number one. Same with Joel Embiid a year later. And three picks later with Dario Sarge, this Croatian guy, and nobody knew what was going to happen. It was kind of, you just had to figure out, like, hey, like, this guy has a lot of credentials behind him. You just kind of, you literally have to trust what this guy is thinking, this process that he's doing. And through that, through guys like Spike Eskin and the Rice Turkey Sanchez and all those different guys, it, it, the subculture emerged, and it's great how everybody's wrapped around it. And finally seeing it all bloom, you could see a bit of it, that flash in the pan in January of this year. That Rockets game. That Rockets game. Right. Oh, my God. I was there for the full disclosure, third and girl, my lovely girlfriend, Emily, has season tickets, and I've been the benefactor to that. And that game, holy shit. For one, I saw two different – 50-point triple-doubles, which are incredible. You just see it one guy, and both times, one was Westbrook, the other was James Harden in this Rockets game. And both times, say what you will about Russell Westbrook just being this ball hog and taking a million shots, but scoring 50 points is still no easy feat, and that's a guy literally just, give me the ball, I'm taking over both of them in that effort. And the Sixers only lost in this James Harden effort, not by terrible amount, and Joel Embiid put up an incredible effort. It was his last game, unfortunately. But but seeing that and, and the glimpse of it, 
and same with when they played the Cavaliers in October. It they only lost by I think six points, and it's it's incredible to see that. The fact I remember noting two seasons ago when they got within ten points of like the Mavericks or something when the Mavericks were still okay, and the place going nuts, and the upper bowls five percent full, the lower bowl is sixty percent full. I remember turning, and I think I tweeted it out on our Twitter feed, and I definitely wrote it in a post I wrote a couple months ago, that once this team becomes good, that place is going to explode. And you started to see that this year, and you're going to continue seeing that the beginning of this season and continuing on. I mean, honestly, if JoJo keeps playing games, it's going to only amplify so much more. If he plays... 50 games a season because he needs to rest the foot and they continue with that. Just like, you know, the Steven Strasburg type of deal. You'll see, I mean, you're going to see the Sixers do some good things and the conservative approach they're taking is going to pay off in the long run, just like how the process has started to pay off in this four-year span. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting to uh, kind of see the, the progression of all the picks that we've had. Yeah. And it's... You've got three starting spots locked in. You might have the sixth man if 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 Starrs are locked in. And so now you're kind of like now you can get to see the fun part where we kind of fill in the uh, fill in the pieces a little bit, which yeah. is which is really cool. Like for example, did we sign a veteran shooting guard? Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. You and I last week talked about how you made a bet with your buddy of uh, whether or not the Sixers make the playoffs, and immediately. Emily, Logan, our buddy Logan, who somehow has not made it on here yet, and myself have all bet you, so Matt is now $200 at risk to lose. Let's hope he loses if the Sixers make the playoffs. But Matt is now throwing in the last minute. If the Sixers get J.J. Redick, my boy, he gets to avoid the contract. I don't know if I'm going to agree to that. We'll see. I, I think we should talk about it. I, 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 little I, negotiations. Well, well, you know, look, I made that bet thinking that we're going to be drafting third in the draft. Yeah. Getting a player that I really liked, whether it be Josh Jackson or um, Andre Fox or yeah. Malik, uh, trading back. I didn't think the first pick was even a possibility yeah. at that time. So, you know, it's like, okay, what's the. You know, I it was a tough, tough spot, but I made the bet, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to honor the bet unless we go ahead and go what I consider all in, and that would be signing J.J. Redick, starting that two guard, you know, maybe making another move or something like that along those lines. But to me, I think I'm not trying to get out of a bet because I'm a man of my word, and so if it, if it comes to that, it comes to that, but um, we might have to go ahead and change that bet a little bit. We'll see. Yeah, well, I'm, not we'll back, I'm not trying to back down. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, you. When I said I was going to take all your money in golf, you threatened to not show up on Saturday. So let's, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. But let's um, let's quickly before we move on to the expansion draft and in the NHL, let's uh, let's quickly talk about a couple other picks in the NBA draft. So number two, do we think it's definitely Alonzo? No. I, I think it's I think if the Lakers are smart, they don't they don't take Lonzo. They take uh, Josh Love. I think uh, Josh Jackson pair him up with D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, and then put him at the three and Julius Randle at the four. And then Larry, I, I, I think they're going to take him, but I think I think it's wrong to assume that they're going to take that. I, I just don't think he's that good. I don't think he's that 
I don't care about his dad. I think he's not that good because I don't think he shoots the ball well enough. I don't think he defends well enough. And that's my big concern with him. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, yeah, he doesn't defend well. You saw that noted during the tournament. Um, his shooting's okay. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a top three pick worthy. Um, but it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean, I'd love to see Jack- Jackson out there. I think he also does well in Boston. I, the issue is, is is that you've seen Lonzo highly touted enough that you, if, if he's sitting there, why not take him? Sort of that, like, you're letting up the best player. But then again, you saw it a lot in the NFL draft, so you, the precedent might be there to, to let players slide and pick where needs are, which is, frankly, the, the logical explanation and, and should be done there. So let's say, what do you want to say, Jackson goes to the Lakers? No, I, 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 I said that it's not a done deal, but I think that they take him at two, and then I think Jackson goes three. To the Celtics? The Celtics are kind of that team that they, they've got, like, they seem like they have every piece to the puzzle, and yet you know that I think Jackson is a great pick. I think he can play two. I think he can play three. Maybe stretch four. Um, and he's just another guy to cover LeBron outside of Seymour and uh, Jay Crowder, obviously. You put Jackson out there. So I think Jackson goes three. Yeah. I think four is an interesting pick with the Suns. Yeah. Like, which direction are they going to go there? Because they have point guards. Yeah. They have but, small guys. Right. I still think DeAndre Fox. You think so? You think they could? But like, the question, like, who else would you take there is kind of the question. Now, like, does that Jason Tatum kind of work there? I think it's too high for Tatum. Yeah, it's a little I high for Tatum, Tatum, but it could work. outside the top four, like, it's outside of Pulse. I think Tatum is the highest four. He's super polished, scores in the half court well. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I mean, I, the Suns are kind of a wild card. They could actually kind of dictate, assuming the top three go, what you think. Yeah. The Suns could kind of dictate the rest of the draft because we know that Sacramento with five loves. Yeah. So they want to get their hands off the I, I find it so hard for him to fall five. Well, I guess, but the thing is... And you're, you're right. It's, it's a needs base, and a, a, oh, is, no, yeah. I love Fox, but I think we overlook the fact that he just, have a, he just doesn't have a jump shot. He doesn't have a jump shot. Yeah, sure. Right now, I mean, it's not that it's broken. It's just not even there. Yeah. And he doesn't have to do it a lot. In college, you can get away with not having a jump shot. So I think it's going to depend on... I, I to see him with Trevor Booker though. That'd be cool. That's a good that's a good look at that court right now. And I think you could maybe move Bledsoe and get your hands on like another player. That would fit for him really well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I mean it'll be fun to watch, of course. We'll uh, have the feed going for you. I'll probably have some uh, videos from the draft party. I don't know if tickets are available. Um this- I think the fun guy to watch. The guy that I wish he had, like, like six, seven, pick four. Well, I love Jonathan Isaac, so I want to get him out of the way. But it's that Laurie Marketing guy, the seven-foot center. Oh, yeah. Okay. There was rumors that he could go to, like, Minnesota. So imagine him running the pick and roll. With Wiggins? With, with Wiggins, him, and then Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Oh, my God. Because he's just, he might be the... People have called him the best pure shooter at seven yeah. feet tall in the draft. Yeah, that's I mean that's pretty amazing. So I'm yeah. excited maybe to see where he goes. He could be a really fun matchup for a couple teams. Uh, a really fun player to pair with some guys. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's the you know, that's at least our beginning take of the NBA draft. Maybe we could try to get up something, but uh, don't hold your breath there because rest of the week's a little tough for both of us before the before draft night itself. But let's move on. The NHL released, or really the thirty teams in the NHL released their protected players for the expansion draft on Wednesday. For those unaware, there will be a thirty-first team in the NHL this year, the Vegas Golden Knights. They uh, dropped the loss, but uh, they will be playing in the T-Mobile Arena, which is where the uh, Mayweather-Conor McGregor fight is supposed to be, whether or not it affects versus the uh, Big Three, the uh, Ice Cube basketball tournament. But teams had to release players that they were going to pick for the expansion draft for the Vegas Knights to pick their team. They were allowed to either choose to protect Four defensemen and four forwards and a goalie, or uh, five forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie. Or might have been two goalies, but the Knights get, get to pick. I think it's one goalie, but they get to pick thirty players. They have to get oh so many forwards, oh so many defensemen, and oh so many goalies. Uh, and then I think their last five picks can be any of those. I believe it's three goalies, and then sort of do the math from there and filling out. Basically, fill out four lines of defensemen, of forwards, three goalies, and then oh, so many picks from there. Uh, but teams released them. Matt, let's start with our with our boys, the Fly Guys. Who were you happy they protected, and were there any shocks of who they didn't protect? I, I am... Let me change the question. I'm happy that we didn't protect our two goaltenders. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I absolutely agree. Let him go. I mean, I don't dislike Mason or Hoity. I just don't think either of them are worth, are worth protecting. Let's no. Protect, maybe some large game or something, but I, I was very happy with not protecting them. Um, and I'm, obviously, I'm happy that we protected the majority of, all our, of, our, of our big guns. Um, I'm glad we protected Ghost and Provo, but that's kind of, you know, Ghost and Man uh, Yeah. And that was kind of expected anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, like, as diehard Flyers fans, I kind of think we all knew who we wanted to protect. And so I don't think, to me, there wasn't a major surprise of somebody we didn't protect. You know, we didn't protect Matt Lee. Yeah. I've always been a Matt Lee fan, but because of everybody protected, so I'm not really upset about that. Who do you think is most likely to be taken from the Flyers? Wow. Great question. Um, hmm. Most likely. I mean, it was a big talk about Neuvern being taken. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard that a lot. See, the thing about Neuberth, and I thought that, too, that he'd be an easy pick to, to kind of snake off. But when you look at everybody else, you got guys like Marc-Andre Fleury's out there. Roberto Luongo's out there. And you could take him as sort of that third goalie. But I, I don't know if you want to do that when you're definitely getting to – I mean, those are, are more than likely the ones you snake. Uh, Although, I mean – I will say, though, if you're a team that wants, let's say you think Mark Andre Fleury could be your guy, because he's been the guy before. Yeah. Maybe I mean, he almost him. he almost won a series for them no, right. in, maybe, in Washington. Right. Maybe you take him and then, then you take him and away like Mason yeah. or maybe, and because then he's a backup that clearly isn't going to start over Fleury. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I guess I so. I can see that. Um, 
I think Raffle's the one. Oh yeah, I think I'm sorry. he's. I forgot. I think he's the most likely guy to be taken by the Flyers. A lot of projections the, the, the show Knights, that, by the or by the Knights from the Flyers. Excuse me. I mean, a lot of projections are showing that. I mean, he's he hasn't really performed incredibly well since his rookie year, but he's still every time you see him skate, every time you see him pass the puck, shoot the puck. I mean, the Flyers had scoring issues left and right pretty much as soon as their <laughs> their uh, winning streak ended right, in right, December. Right. But he still he still had it, and he even if it wasn't going in, it was still a great shot. Still got a lot of the fundamentals. I think it's a good young player to put onto that team. I agree. I I I I will miss him because I've always liked him as a player. Yeah. So I, I think that would be a great pick for the Knights. You know, I mean, I mean, just kind of parlaying that into the rest of the NHL. You know, um, I kind of like Dustin Brown as the kind of guy. Yeah, that seems to be like the right. mortal lock to be there to be the first captain of the night. Right. It would appear. I mean, unless there's something they're going to pull out of their bag of tricks, like hey. You know, let's take Yager and make or Ginline, so let's make him a captain for a year yeah. for a young team. Although I don't think Yager's a captain type anymore. Aginla maybe more so than yeah. Yager. Yager's more of a locker room guy than he is the captain. Right, of the team. right. Um, but yeah. that that would mean they don't take Luongo, which is the the big question. I think what you've seen from a lot of teams, they're protecting young, and they're protecting basically. And it kind of goes with long, with young, but longevity. And they're really trying to develop that young core. Of course, there's some teams, the Blackhawks, they protect a lot of those guys. Uh, the basic idea of it is that they can't be, they have to have completed at least two years in the NHL and must be under contract through next year for 20 of the players the Knights draft. They can draft 10 players who are not under contract or upcoming free agents starting on July 1st. But I think a lot of them, I think they need to be in at least contract talks to take them because they need to keep oh so many players, I believe, when the free agency market right. starts. Although you're telling me if, if TJ Oshie, who possibly... He's also in, up too, yeah. Right. The guy he's up, yeah. he's a free agent. I, mean, I believe I, they need to be in talks with him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, to me, his name, his name really go has his name brings out more so than he had a, the great I think his Olympics. Name, his name, yeah, I was about to say, I think because right. of the Olympics, his name sells tickets, which is something, frankly speaking, I mean, you need when you're starting a new franchise. The idea and the big idea with Las Vegas and professional sports is that it'll bring in a lot of people that are traveling to Las Vegas because it's such a destination city anyway. Yeah, but that in general and. For those that don't know, Las Vegas has had their shares of that semi-pro level below the AHL of teams that love hockey. I knew a couple of people at Lehigh that that were from the area. I'm not sure if you knew them as well, but they, when they heard that I played hockey, that I liked hockey, talked about the I forget their name, but it's a, a team basically same level as the ECHL, the Eastern Coast Hockey League. That they loved in that in that division, and I think it'll do pretty well. And I think it'll do well because the travel. I think it'll do well in a local fan base. But having a marquee name like Oshi certainly helps with that. No, I, and I, and I agree. I think I think um, I hope they do get a couple marquee names because that's what that's what you kind of need. Whether whether the marquee names are Robert Liberto Roberto Luongo, who I think is kind of over the hill 
now as a superstar goalie. Yeah. Um, but give me some guys for the for, for their for the team that sells some seats. Although they could go ahead and pull a Philadelphia and take a bunch of young guys and say, hey, let's lose and get the number one pick next year. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean now it's a lottery. Obviously, I, I it's a lottery because the Flyers received the number two pick this year, and as as, as I believe they made the playoffs, they weren't the number. They weren't the second worst team in hockey. No. So yeah, hockey is a little more. A little more randomized than basketball is, which is it's just fun. It gives a little more more attention to it and a little more excitement. Um, but yeah, I think you're on the idea of the, of the Golden Knights, at least for year one. The idea is really more to establish the roots than it is to sprout up, if you will, um, in a talking botany type of way. But I really think if you can get a decent season out of it. Have they have they said, I would assume they play in the Pacific Division, have they officially said what division they're going to be in? I don't... I, don't, I would think the I don't Pacific. I think they have. Yeah. Would make sense. It would make the most sense. Um, but, I mean, in that division, you got to think, you have the Ducks, you got the Sharks, you got the Oilers starting to play really well, or right, obviously right. playing really well. Uh, the Flames are a super young team. I mean, they were a playoff team. They yeah, they're a playoff, playoff team. team. Right? I mean, you're not going to necessarily be shooting for the playoffs right away. I, and I think you're a couple years out. And, and I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I definitely want to try to get out there at some point. But the expansion draft is definitely something to look out for tomorrow or today. Since we're going to be dropping this Tuesday, the Knights are dropping their jerseys. Because Adidas is taking over sponsorship for the NHL, so look out for that. The Flyers are also announcing ones for them. I'm sure if you're not a fan of either team, your team is probably announcing new jerseys as well. So check out that. Um, but I don't think the NHL draft is for another week, so maybe we, we try to give a little preview of the next podcast. But we'll move on. We'll do quickly because we mentioned the Bleacher Creatures. Matt, have you seen this video of the Red Sox fan in Houston, that uh, you, know, you got to kind of wonder what it, where he stands here because it's a little sly move. He's like a ten-year-old kid, but he calls out and, and rats out a, an Astros fan. Astros fan interfered interfered with the ball when security came over. He uh, points out who the Astros fan was and gets him in trouble. You got to wonder. I mean, is it the right move or is the little snitches get stitches kind of move? Wrong move. Because and I think the reason it's the wrong move is because you know it, I, it's baseball and baseball's kind of I don't think baseball's a rap a rap kind of sport. No, I, I I disagree. That's a that's you get a ball thrown at you the next pitch. Right, I right I, I think Granted, this, this kid I don't metaphorically right. we're not throwing baseballs. Because little here's kids. the thing it didn't it didn't it, the, the the play was already call, like call you know what I mean like it yeah. wasn't so like all you're doing is ratting out somebody that has a baseball. It's over. He made a mistake. The guy did. I mean, it yeah. is what it is. But I, yeah, I totally believe it was a rat out. Um, and I think the kid should be banned from life from Fenway. You know, that's kind of where. Well, was that? It was at Minute Maid Park. It was but in I, Houston. Right. And I'm saying he should be banned from Fenway for doing what he did in Houston. That's oh. my point. Oh. I'm just saying, do somebody oh. a lesson right now. Banish okay? the Texans. Now, maybe, maybe we don't banish the kid. But I, but I do think the kid will, should have his his tour around Twitter. I will say that the freeze frame on ESPN.com, where he has a, kind of like this little smug, like, mm, pointing at the guy, like, and that's, that the, the uh, frustrates me a little bit. And it's like a 12-year-old kid, and, right, and I shouldn't be getting frustrated well, in a 12-year-old kid's face. But you got to teach him young. 
You know, you, you don't like that. Um, but, but I'll tell you this, too. Yeah. As, and I, we talked recently, but that's kind of the smugness of Boston. At yeah. times, they, oh. they, they need to catch themselves a little bit Ooh. because they do win Greg. so much. And sometimes you get a little smugness from those Bostonians, those New Englanders, who just assume that their teams are always better. And so, you know, I, I, you know, uh, you know I think we're nice uh, being a Boston fan. I think we're building towards that inevitable war, where I probably will have to be the uh, what's her name, Molly, in uh, for first take. I'll have to be Molly. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah and you, who would you rather be? Would you rather be uh, Max or Stephen A? Oh, Stephen A. Hot yeah. take. Hot take. Hot take. Yeah, I can see you being more Stephen A. You, yeah, I probably should be. You, I see you clearly pointing out random streets in Philadelphia that you saw pro athletes where they're just parking lots. Huh. You know, he's, he's, I mean, they're dear, Greg being more being more logical. Well, they're they're dear dear friends, so yeah. But <laughs> let's uh let's move on to the beer corner. I have one that uh speaking of Mr. Piatelli, we have uh, the Narragansett Dell's Shandy. For those who are familiar with Dell's Lemonade, it's owned by Greg's cousins or Greg's uncle, uh, Mr. Paul Piatelli, his son, and Greg's cousin Paul. Went to high school with me. He was my captain for baseball for two years. Our shortstop, the first bleacher creature for chasing on the uh, the home run ball. If you've never listened to that, just listen to episode one of the podcast. Very easy to find if you subscribe on iTunes. A little plug there. But for those unaware of the beer, Narragansett is a uh, Rhode Island staple in terms of breweries. This is a lemon-flavored beer. If you ever have the... Line and Google Summer Shandy, very similar to that. Basically, takes tastes like a lemonade, but has a little bit of alcohol in it. It has a 4.7 alcohol by volume in a 12-ounce can. You can also find it in 20-ouncers if you uh, search around. Most bars do. A few bars in Philadelphia have it. So if you're in New England, like uh, I'm sure a decent fan base of you are, it's probably somewhere. But, Matt, you've, you've had this before. What are your thoughts on it as I mean, the beer expert? It's it's a very nice summer beer. Fantastic to drink. More at a lake house than I think a beach in this regard. It, it'd be unlike, I can see that. Right. I think it's a great beer to sit out on, on a little dock and enjoy. I mean, I'm still a bigger fan of of um, less lemonade beers, but I've, I have absolutely dabbled, and I find it to be a fantastically refreshing drink on a super hot day, you know. I will say shocking pairing with it because we've done this before. Tacos oh, and yes. the Narragansett Dell Shandy. Great pairing and very underrated. We've done that before we at have. a certain bar in Philadelphia. We won't mention the name because we don't know if uh, they want to give us a little uh, a little, a little kickback to uh, mention <laughs> them. But it's very good um, depending on the, the taco, of course. Right. I mean, I mean – well, I think regular Gansett, regular Narragansett goes very well with tacos. And I'll give a little plug for the city of Philadelphia. Come down here. Uh, one of the many beers you can get with a citywide, which is usually a, a shot of beer and a shot, usually of whiskey. Let's get a Mexican citywide. There's a little tecate and tequila. But a, a Gansett, as we call it, as our good hipster friend Andy Rigotti would say. I believe all Rhode Islanders say that. Gansett? No, maybe you're right. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a Rhode Islander. I was in Rhode Island recently, Jordy, but I'm not a Rhode Islander. Yeah. But yeah, I would yeah. love to become one. They wear very nice colored pants and they all have very nice houses and sailboats. So we'll have to go up to uh, 
the uh, Watch Hill House that Grandpa George has. My grandfather. Uh, I'd love to go. Go hang out with Taylor Swift on the beach. Well, hey, I'd love to hang out. Yeah, my girlfriend's in the other room. Can't say that. So, Taylor Swift, <laughs> she's a nice lady. Taylor Swift's a nice lady. But, anyway. She's a neat lady. She's a neat, neat lady. But, let's, uh, let's move on. This weekend, we mentioned it before, it was the U.S. Open. I wrote my post. And, of course, I was dead wrong. I picked... I gave my biased uh, rant about Rory. He missed the cut, and I picked John Rahm. He missed the cut. I had said long hitters were going to win this tournament, and one actually did. But everyone else missed the cut. Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, everybody missed the cut. Of course, Brooks Kepka wins. And it was mentioned a number of times in the broadcast, but it was a long time coming. Kepka, of course, on the Ryder Cup team last year. Had a lot of close finishes in a lot of tournaments, but great ball striker, had a lot of great putts. He had those three putt, or three birdies in a row in the back nine, which really sealed the deal for him. Uh, other news out of that was Justin Thomas's emergence and the 63 on Saturday, which as minus nine because of the 72 par for the course, the best relative to par score. He had that incredible eagle on the 18th hole on Saturday, as did uh, Patrick Reed. Sorry for the uh, pause there, but he also had a great round. I mean, Matt, what, what were your takeaways from the tournament? Uh, I think it shows you this new that, that this is a new era in golf that's been going on for quite some time. We saw it when Tiger basically dimmed. Uh, we thought Rory was going to take. We just assumed that somebody was going to take the mantle in golf. Yeah. And yet, at this tournament, you have Rory, Dustin, Jordan Spieth struggled, Jason Day struggled. A lot of these golfers that you think would compete every single tournament, they didn't make a cut. And I think it's amazing. First of all, I want to I want I want to like appreciate the years of Tiger Woods, the years of Jack Nicklaus. Um, we don't have a at the moment. Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. I'm sorry, at Gary Player. We don't have a Ben Hogan. I'm going to go way back, but we don't have at the moment a transcendent star in golf. Right now, that could change. I think. I think any of these players, if they could figure out how to compete, Rory, Jordan, Justin, um, just Thomas. Although I think it's so hard to shoot a 63 and come back the next day, as we saw, and he struggled. Yeah. Um, I kind of this was. I thought this was the door was open for Ricky Fowler. Yeah. To kind of step up into like the top three of golf, and he started out very strong, and then and then didn't do anything all day. The thing was. And for those that watched yesterday or at least saw highlights, probably noticed, and I mentioned Brooks's three birdies in a row. I mean, it wasn't the usual U.S. Open. He scored, he tied the record relative to par at 600, which if you watch, Joe Buck mentioned five times in three minutes. So he didn't miss it there. But if Brooks Kepka won it, and it wasn't he survived and everyone else lost it. I mean – but I miss that about the. I want. I want. I want. I want Marion, where the guys, like Justin Rose, survive. Plus one, yeah. Right. Well, that's the interesting thing that you'll see is uh, Rory does it in 2011 at Congressional. The next year at the Olympic Club, I forget what Webb Simpson's final score was, but it wasn't even close to 10 under. Rory went at 16. USGA, and this is part of where they kind of get into some of the shit they fall under and of course they've had Chambers Bay and the Dustin Johnson stroke penalty last year but they really really love that 
a round par winning score. And when something like this happens, you saw it in 2012 and again, then into 2013, um, and you saw it a little bit, and you might see why Chambers Bay was so hard with Martin Keimer running away with it in 2014, where the USGA gets pissed off, sets the course to be just as fucking terrible as they want it to be, and runs away that way. Right. It's not like what the RNA does with the British Open where they just plant two T's and say, have at it. USGA, I think next year, is going to make Shinnecock as hard as possible. Well, Shinnecock's already a tough course. I think one of the things that it was in Aaron Hills, and my uncle was actually up in Aaron Hills. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So we talked a little bit, and he said the biggest thing is Aaron Hills actually played it recently. Really? Yeah, he said the big thing with Aaron Hills Did is... hit off mats. Uh, some parts, yeah. yeah. But the big thing with Aaron Hills was simply that if there, if the wind wasn't involved, scores were going to be low. The yeah. fairways weren't as narrow as most. As most. And, and I, I saw that yesterday, right, actually, on Sunday. More so, but, but right. There was a lot of wind on right. Sunday. And that's why I think now. that, I mean, yeah, right. Um, and but there was a lot of drivable, you know, two-shot par fives, drivable par fours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, there is there, is, but like I watched the drive, the new drivable par four at the players, which is like fifteen, the fifteenth, I think, the players. Uh, I think it's fourteen. 14. 14. Yeah. They redid the hole. Right. But yeah. The key there was it was more risk reward than Aaron Hill. See, there if you didn't drive, if you didn't drive, you put your ball in the water a lot of times. So, yeah. You know, I think I think that was the mistake. I don't know it was a mistake. I think that I think Aaron Hill is a great course, but it wasn't. It just it needed more narrow the fairways. A little bit more. Yeah. Um, penalize bad drives, but make maybe maybe you can't make the rooms faster, but you know, you can't change a course, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think them <coughs> excuse me. Them taking out some of the fescue might have helped a little bit. There was still thick rough where the fescue once was. Uh, for those that don't know, a lot of the players complained about the tall, tall grass. The USGA shaved it off. On Wednesday of the or Tuesday or Wednesday of the tournament, uh, before it started, but I think some of that kind of got to you know got some of the second shots a little easier because you did definitely needed that accuracy and that's what Brooks did to win. Uh, but I, I can see what you're saying. Rory uh, started off on a second hole with an eagle. He drove the green on the second hole. I think the thing was that a lot of the holes. When there wasn't wind, the 18th hole specifically, that were adding at least 10% of the distance to the course. The 18th hole is playing at around 650 yards. But these guys can kill the ball. They can, if there's no wind, they can hit it 350 yards and then hit a five wood in. And that's what happened with Justin Thomas. I mean, you only have so many yards to play with. You can't have an an 18th or an 8,000 yard course at this point. It was playing at 78. An 8,000 yard course on a windy day is a plus five is probably the best score. Right. So you find that, that area where you need to figure out that kind of shit. You come back to a traditional golf course next year, like Shinnecock. I forget where it is in 2019. But you start it's getting... Like, no, it's in Pebble. Is it Pebble? I think it's at Pebble. I think it's, I think it's, it's at Pebble. Yeah. 2019. Is 2020 when it goes back to Brookline? It goes back to Brookline uh, soon. Yeah, yeah, I think so yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but those are you know the more traditional t- types of courses. Kind of the last question I'll ask you: Do you think they need to get into a rotation like the British Open does? Uh, uh, no. Well, yes, 
I want to know what the rotation would be. Here, my question is: I love it. They added like a Chambers Bay. Yeah, I didn't. Th- Chambers Bay to me was memorable, and I'm not dissing Aaron Hill as much, but I don't think Aaron Hills is going to be a memorable U.S. Open. Not, forget who played in it. Yeah. Forget who won. I, there, are, like, there are holes at Chambers Bay that you'll never forget. Yeah. Which is what makes Pebble so famous, which is what makes lies. But so then I, I think Aaron Hills isn't just <coughs> memorable. It's, it, but you want to have – see, the difference between here and the, the British Open is that there's only so many places in Britain. The United States is just a bigger – literally a bigger country. So you want to make sure that the entire nation oh, is included oh, is it? in it. It is. No. So my point is you want to make sure that the entire nation That's is included in it. And the attraction is included in it. Yeah. And you want to add new courses like Aaron Hills. Yeah. You want to be able to go back to old courses like Marion, Oakmont, which I, which was obviously a fantastic course yeah. last year. Um. But like, I, I I wish maybe like every ten years you played Pebble. But the problem is you then. Yeah. Well, what other what other courses? Point is, what other well, courses are also in Pebble, right? Yeah. Like just just just. Pinehurst. Pine Valley is here in Philadelphia. Right, does Pinehurst have to be played every 10 years? Does, to a certain That's a great point of, of how do you touch upon the various regions in the country. Aaron Hill is the first one in Wisconsin. Chambers Bay was the first one in the Pacific Northwest in general. You'd probably find a lot of East Coast bias towards that because it's where the country was founded. It's where a lot of the People still reside, courses, right. the old golf courses. I mean, what I like in this way of the USGA just putting out public courses and, and places that they want to expand the game, somewhere like Torrey Pines, which will forever be remembered for Tiger Woods' last major, hopefully not the last ever win, but more than likely than not is, is that 72nd hole putt that he nails to force the playoff against Rocco Mediate, and they earned their second U.S. Open – I like maybe you call it every seven years a new course getting into the mix and they get they get their opportunity to do that. I think you might need to pepper in some more traditional courses before you get and it, granted they plan the U.S. Open and where it's going to be years ahead, so they couldn't have they couldn't have actively made the decision to go to Aaron Hills after Chambers Bay after the Dustin Johnson ruling and throwing it at Pinehurst, throwing it at Pebble thrown it at Shinnecock, at Baltistraw, even at Marion, and have a tournament where they where they can just have an easy easy tournament where nothing goes wrong. Right. So right. It's, it's kind of a give and take. It's yeah, my, is my point. Right. I don't I don't think you want to have a rotation where you're going to the same courses. Yeah, the, to, for reference, I believe the British Opens is like once every eight years it comes to those courses. Right, right. I mean, but then again, like I can watch them play at St. Andrews every year. Yeah. It's like how you can watch the Masters every year. It's such a great question. I could watch these pros play at certain courses every year and be like, you know what? That was fantastic. Yeah, bring it back. Keep bringing right. it back. Yeah, exactly. The players, they play the same course. I mean, this year was a big change. It's going to be a lot of changes in the course, but it's kind of fun to see the same course. Um and it's fun to hear stories from the players who have won it or, 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 or like, tell them about certain holes. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, I think – I don't think Aaron Hills was a dud. I just don't think No, was, I don't think so either. No, I just don't think it was. It's not – like to me, I'll never forget Chambers Bay. Yeah. I, I felt like uh, – but th- th- there's other courses in the U.S. that you just don't remember as well, um, you know? Like, I – well, maybe, maybe – because we need to ask a question. Would you remember Mary? 
So we will be kind of, we both play Marion. So I, yeah. I can tell you that, but I don't know if I would remember Marion if I was a West Coaster. Yeah, I'd need to ask some people I know that, that live out there. Um, I mean, it's it's also, if you like golf, you know the Ben Hogan shot. You know Lee Trevino. You know Bobby Jones completed the, the Grand Slam. You, you, I mean, you, you know sort of the history behind right. it. Uh, the casual golf fan, you might be right that you know. Unfortunately, the bigger names in golf, you just know those stories that you know. Phil Mickelson is his most recent second place where he blew that lead and, and everything there. So, I mean, it's kind of a give and take, but it's a great question. But let's wrap things up. We are uh, running out of time here. Going on to this week, we uh, we got some series, but really we'll talk about the Phillies quickly. They have the St. Louis Cardinals in town. Star Wars night is Wednesday, which I think I'll be missing. It's a co-worker's birthday. Um, and then they, they travel out to Arizona for another shot at the Diamondbacks. <laughs> I mean, that's, and I see us win one game against the Diamondbacks. That would be nice. It would um, be nice. Yeah, you don't, yeah. Want the, you don't want the season sweep. That's rough. Right. Um I can see us being swept all six of those games. Um, I mean, I think I think we we won't. I would say two and four. It's a I think, very viable option for us. I think you take, and I, I don't have the starting pitchers in front of me. I think you take one from each. I can see that. I don't think you take two from the Cardinals. The thing about them is is, and they're still kind of in that stagnant mode, much like the rest of the division. But they they easily. They're hard. They're hard out. That's the best way to put it. It's a. They're not a bury them when they're on the road type of team. They easily can sneak up on you. They can. They're runs factory that type of team. Not necessarily small ball through and through, but they can certainly manufacture runs when they need to. So it's hard to, you know, put them down for two right, games. Right. Especially when you're on the bat. It'll be. It'll be a tougher week for the Phils. I mean, I'll, we'll, we'll tune in. Yeah. Uh, what I will say is, looking, looking, just looking ahead to next week's pod, we'll have more baseball talk. Oh, we yeah. also think we're going to have a little draft recap talk. Oh, yeah. Jump in a little bit to the NHL draft next week, oh, week yeah. after. Um, so, very excited for that. But, I mean, you know, good discussion today. Now I want to get into more golf. Now I'm thinking about golfing. You know, forget work tomorrow. Let me go hit some balls. I wish I could play baseball because I'd do that, but I don't have the hand eye to do much more than golf at this point. Yeah, you got you to gotta get into the, the beer league softball. That's. I've recently discovered it, or not discovered. Recently gotten gotten to play. I hadn't uh, because of, because of my old job, but now uh, I've been playing, and it's it's great to be back out in Diamond. Uh, I'd, I'd love to. It's been a long time for a Maddie D, so I'd love to maybe step out one time and see what I can do. Maybe I can throw. Uh, so we'll take a slap shot. It's well, not too much harder. I can see a little Tim Tebow. So I lose my bat in the stands. Okay, you know, we, right? we didn't even mention we that not, Tim Tebow. Uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah, not, uh, not so good. So that was our right, Tebow talk. Right, right there. Quick, quick. There it is. Right, there it is. Couldn't even write uh, that. Looking forward to next week. Right. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'll be back with a uh, draft, draft recap. I will be at the Sixers draft party, so stay tuned for that on our Twitter feed, probably. Maybe a Facebook Live video. Who knows? Uh, but, of course, please go like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Thunderbox Sports. ThunderboxSports.com is the blog. Hopefully, get some uh, more posts out there for you. Like us or follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is that handle. And for my man Maddie D, I am the G Man Jordy Cannell. Saying good night. Have a good week, everybody.